Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter number six. We're going to have a good time in the Holy Ghost here tonight as well. And we invite everybody to come back and be with us in this service this evening. Beginning with prayer at six o'clock, six thirty service. And, uh, Come again expecting God to move. Praise the Lord. Second Kings chapter number six. And I begin reading with verse verse of scripture. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us Make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. And I want to use these verses of Scripture to convey what I feel the Lord has placed upon my heart this morning. I want to preach to you for the next little while upon the subject, Lessons from a Lost Axe Head. Lessons from a Lost Axe Head. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord along with our voices, and let's once again pray that God would help us, His anointing would be upon us the remainder of this service this morning. God, I'm praying that you would help us today in this house. We're nothing without you. Your anointing is an imperative. We know, God, that if we're going to be effective, we've got to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying, God, that you would minister to the needs here, touch and stir the hearts of everyone. I'm praying that you would draw and compel at this altar service. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, In Jesus' mighty name, would you clap your hands to the Lord? I need just a little bit more monitor, please. You you can be seated. Praise God. You know, I, I want to say here at the outset this morning that we desperately need God to move in our midst and help us. Every service, sometimes, if we're not careful, we can, we can discount or we can 
discredit a service and say, well, it's just another typical Sunday morning, what have you, and I'm gathered here, and uh, I'm not expecting a whole lot, or I don't need a whole lot. But you know, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what tomorrow is going to be. So whatever you can glean from this service, whatever you can absorb in the presence of God, whatever you, if I could say it this way, could sponge up and sop up in this service, you need to do it. And we need to take every service seriously because the Lord is coming back, first of all. And none of us, again, know what our future is. And the only way it's going to be secure is to be in the hands of God. Praise the Lord, to be saved, to be right with God. And I want to be right with the Lord. And I need him in my life. Praise the Lord. This simple story from the scripture that I read to you this morning contains an incredible miracle of the Old Testament. We know that there are many Old Testament miracles as well as in the New Testament we could talk about here this morning. But this is one of those incredible miracles in the Old Testament that involves the prophet Elisha. It begins with the sons of the prophets coming to him. Uh, He was their leader and mentor and teaching them. And they notified him of a problem, a challenge that they had. However, it was not a bad problem. It was a good problem. They said that the house that they were gathering in was too straight or it was too small to contain them any longer. They had grown to the point that it was no longer adequate. It no longer met their needs. And their growth necessitated a relocation. And so they were coming to him and asking him for permission to go and build, construct another place for them together. And the first thing that I note in this story is the apparent blessings of God that was upon this group of men. They were obviously doing something right. They were apparently attracting the favor of God. God's hand was upon this group of men, this group of people. And when the blessings of God is upon someone or a group of people, it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Things can be accomplished that otherwise would be impossible. Uh, The kingdom of God is advanced. Uh, Sometimes things that would take a period of time, that time is accelerated. And God moves and God works and things are done in record time. Obstacles are removed. They're mowed over. They're easily overcame when the blessings of God and the favor of God is upon an individual or a church or a group of people. I don't know about you, but I long to have the blessings of God. I pray that the Lord would bless my life, that my life would be so pleasing to Him that He would be able to bless it because I believe that God wants to bless His people. I'm of the persuasion, and I believe that the Word of God teaches this principle, that God really does want to favor His people and work in His people's lives. Now, there's a criteria to receive that blessing from the Lord, but when we meet the requirements of the Word of God, we can expect the blessings of God upon our lives. And I 
I, for one, need his blessings. I don't want to try to paddle my own canoe. I don't want to try to get by in life by myself. I don't want to try to get along all alone. But I need the hand of God. You need the hand of God. Whether or not you've recognized that this morning, you need the hand of God in your life. You need his favor. You need his blessing upon your life. Amen. If you're going to be a success in living for God, if you're going to really be a success and really be fulfilled in life, you cannot do it without God in the, in the, in the equation. You've got to have the blessings of the Lord in your life. I, I want to establish that point at the very beginning this morning that we without God are, are, are like a branch that's been disconnected from its trunk. We are unable to be fruitful. We're unable to live. We're unable to abide. We're unable to do what we're created to do without the hand of God upon us. We must have the blessings of the Lord upon our life. And once those blessings are ever uh, achieved and once we ever notice them and once we ever receive those blessings and have that hand of God upon us and his anointing and his favor, then we've got to do whatever we must to maintain it and to keep it. Amen. Because I don't want to do anything that would cause the hand of God to recoil from me. I don't want to live in such a way that God could not bless me. I don't want to get to a point that I exclude God God and and I decide that I don't need him anymore but I need God's blessing I need God's help not only did I need it then I need it now not only am I going to need it now but I'm going to need it in the future amen so I want to continue in my consecration I want to continue amen in my faithfulness I, I want to continue in the things that brought the blessings of God in the first place amen Praise the Lord, and it stands out to me that these men were, first of all, blessed. And this blessing could not be contained in the parameters and the boundaries that they were accustomed to. But it, caused, uh, it called for them to, to expand and to build anew. And, and if they were going to house these blessings, they were going to have to, they were going to, have to get out of the old mindset that they were in. This place is too straight for us. And that's a very exciting thing to see God bless and see God's blessings be bestowed upon somebody to the point that they've got to expand. They've got to do more and uh, to contain what God is doing in their life. And the second thing that stands out to me is no doubt one of the reasons for their success is the fact that these men were submitted. Amen. I see submission all the way through this particular story. And I believe that this was one of the reasons why God was able to bless them. They came to the prophet and they asked. They didn't work autonomous from him. They, they, did, not, they did not just go off in their own zeal and their own uh, desire and passion and work without the prophet in their life. But they said, if you'll let us go. And they sought his blessing upon it. They, they sought his permission to do it. This was not a rebellion that they were leading. 
This was not something that they were doing without the approval of the prophet. Rebellions can never be relabeled as blessings or revival according to God's word. Rebellion is always in the end, no matter what limited success it has initially, it's always going to lead to nod. It's always going to come to nothing. It's always going to, after a while, fizzle out. This was a revival where men were submitting their zeal to the man of God in their life. I also notice that every man was involved. This was not just a few of them. This was not just a handful among this multitude. This was not just two or three zealous men that were in their midst. But it says, take hence every man, every man a beam. And let us, notice that, let us, not let him, not let them, but let us make a place there. Can I tell you that revival And blessings and anointing never come as a result of just one or two, but it's a result of everyone collectively working together, doing their part, functioning in the place that God has created them to function in and to work in. God has a plan, I believe, and a purpose for every person in this place's life. I don't believe that one person in this place is an accident. I don't believe that one one person coming into the church, the kingdom of God, is just by coincidence. You don't just happen into the church, but you're born into the church. And that started with a desire in your heart and the Spirit of God drawing you to an altar and you repented of your sins and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. That's the only way that you can come into the kingdom of God is to be born into the kingdom of God. And if you're one of God's child, He has plans for you. If you're one of His children, He has designs for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a work that he wants you to do. There's something in his kingdom that he wants you to fulfill. There's business that you are to be about. Praise God. In the kingdom of God, everybody has a purpose. The Bible explains it this way. It says in Ephesians 2 that we're like a building that is fitly framed together. And when everybody comes together in their particular purpose and is fulfilling the work that God has called them to work in, then things can be accomplished. It seems like when we get together and we work in harmony and we work together, amen, that the synergy of that, if I could say it that way, creates something that otherwise could not happen, that was impossible before. And God steps in and God begins to work in that and God blesses that and God helps that group of people to accomplish things that they would never be able to achieve by themselves individually. But when you come together, there's something that takes place. The blessing and the favor of God is upon it. We see this in the birth of the church in Acts chapter number 2. They were all with one accord. In one place. Now it's easy to get sometimes people in one place. 
in one sanctuary, one building, but it's quite another thing and it takes the help of God to get people in one accord, to get people unified together. That, that's the result of something spiritual. That takes a touch of God. That takes God working with us. And that takes people willing to submit themselves to the Spirit of God and yield to the Spirit of God. But when we come together, not just in one place, but we arrive at one accord. Amen. We're together spiritually. We're unified together spiritually. We're connected as the body of Christ, one with another. We're not just working in autonomy, but we're working according to God's will. We're together as a body spiritually. The Bible says we're not baptized into different bodies, but it said we're all baptized into one body. Hallelujah. And a body that is not working in harmony with itself, a man will eventually work against itself in certain areas. Amen. You know, uh, I uh, I read after a physician one time that uh, they were doing organ transplants and they had tried everything they could try and this one individual to try to get the body to accept uh, an organ that it, I, I forgot whether it was a heart or a liver that had been transplanted into this particular person and of course the body was rejecting it and they tried all the different kind of anti-rejection uh, drugs to try to keep this from happening and it just was a continual fight and this doctor uh, gave, them, gave them some advice. He said, in this particular instance, he said, we need to trust the body to work uh, in, in this situation. And the drugs that we're using and some of the things that we're doing is creating a, a chaos in this body. And this person's going to die if we don't learn to trust the body in some areas. Amen. We're trying to do its work for it. We're trying to intervene in areas that we don't need to be in, intervening in. God created this body. God put this body together. And there's certain things about it that we just have to trust. Can I tell you that there's certain things about the body of Christ that we just have to trust that God knows what he's doing. That God's going to work it out. I may not understand it. I may not be able to get my mind around it. But I in my own self will am not going to stop what God's doing I'm going to flow and harmonize, amen, and get in tune with what God is doing. Amen. How many wants to get in the flow of what God's doing in your life? How many wants to keep his blessing? You want to keep his favor. You want to keep his anointing. You want to keep his hand upon you. Come on, let's lift up our hands and our voices to the Lord right now. Bible said in Nehemiah's day there were those that marveled at their accomplishment not because just they were able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem given enough time I, I suppose anybody could rebuild them but that they were able to do it in 52 days was why people marveled and said surely God is working with them 
Surely God is helping them. Surely these are the people of God. This was no small feat. 52 days to to rebuild the walls, not with the best material. They rebuilt the walls with the same material that had been burnt by Israel's enemies. Amen. And they rebuilt it with the stones that had been charred and the Babylonians had knocked it over. And, And so they were rebuilding with those old those old stones they were rebuilding with material that was inferior they were rebuilding with material that was uh, uh, now at this point uh, not as good perhaps as it had been at a late at an earlier time but they still because of their passion and because of their desire and because of them being willing to work together they were able to reconstruct the walls that can pass the city of Jerusalem And at the end of the day, the people, even their enemies, noted, and they said that God, not them, but God did this. You know, sometimes I wonder what we could accomplish if we just let God have the glory for it. If we'll just give him the praise and say, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't my ability. It wasn't necessarily what I'd done, but it was God. I want his blessing more than I want somebody approval. More than I want somebody to clap their hands at my accomplishment. I want them to realize that God gets the glory. That God is the one that brought the blessing in the first place. the Lord 52 days and they said God it's clear is with them there's something supernatural that happens when God's people unify together for one common purpose God steps in and makes up the difference and Elisha said to them when they asked can we go he said go ye and the Bible tells us very clearly here and I read it to you this morning that one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. Now, this is two generations that's being represented here. You've got the older and the younger. You've got Elisha and the sons of the prophets. And there is a spirit, can I say, that's loose in the end time that wants to separate the younger generation from the generation that's just ahead of them or the older generation. And that isn't the will of God because Luke chapter 1 tells us that in preparation for the Lord's coming, the hearts of the fathers would be turned to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Anytime God's getting ready to do something big, anytime revival's getting ready to come, it's not just going to come as a result of one generation and their action, but it's going to come as generations work together. Amen. When generations are connected together, some people say, well, I can't identify with that generation or I I don't know why that generation expects that of me or times has changed. Let me tell you something. First of all, the word of God doesn't change. The Bible said it's forever settled. Amen. And what brought revival in the book of Acts will bring revival right now. 
Amen. So there's no sense in questioning that. There's no sense in that's one of those undebatable things. It's always going to be the same. And whatever it took to bring revival at the turn of the century, whatever it took to bring revival during the 30s and 40s and 50s, and whatever it took to bring revival in the 20th century, it's going to take that same to bring revival in the 21st century. You can't improve on that. That's the word of God. It's forever settled. It's not up for debate. It doesn't really matter what my opinion is or your opinion is. It's just time to come together and stand on God's word and work together and say, generationally, we're going to connect one with another and we're going to see God move and work the way he desires to work. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, the young men that are in this story are attempting to do something for God. And one says, we don't want to do it by ourselves. We've got to have your hand upon us. We've got to have your, we don't, we, we're going to build, we're going to stand on your shoulders so that we can see farther. We're going to, we're going to go from here. We're not, we're not dismissing anything that you've done, any sacrifice that you've made, any struggle that you've came through and, and received victory in any war that you've won, we're not not taking that for granted, but we want to take you with us because it's because of your sacrifices and it's because of your burden and it's because of your vision that we're at this place. And there the story turns, and I've really preached to this point to, to get to where I want to go here this morning, but the story turns to this one young man that I feel represents so many people perhaps even in this place this morning. This young man, among all of these that are wanting to do a work for God, he is not, he is not the most capable. He's obviously not the most skilled. He is, he is not the greatest talent among the bunch. But can I say that his passion, his desire, his zeal for the things of God is matchless. Nobody else can even come close. He is willing to work for God. And he isn't happy just being a bystander. He's not willing to just be a spectator on the sidelines. He doesn't just want to be a part of the audience. But he wants to be involved in whatever it is that God is doing. And could I just spend a moment and camp out there for just a little bit here this morning and say there ought to be a desire and if there isn't a desire to do this, then something is wrong and you need to take inventory this morning. But there ought to be a desire within each child of God's heart that says I don't want to be a bystander to whatever it is that God's doing. I don't want to just be a watcher. I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines analyzing it. I don't want to be sitting somewhere, amen, on the sidelines observing it being a spectator, but I want to be in the middle of whatever it is that God is doing. Wherever the blessings of God are, wherever revival is taking place, wherever God's anointing is falling, whatever God has his hand 
stand upon. That's what I want to seek out. That's what I want to be involved in. I want to be involved in the work of God. I'm not just content showing up. I'm not just content saying, mark me present. I'm not just content saying, I'm here, but I want to be involved. I want to get knee deep in whatever it is that God is doing. Amen. I want to be passionate about it and zealous about it. I want to have a desire for it. I've said this many times as a pastor, but I believe it now more than I ever have because we have so many distractions in the last days. But can I tell you that a preacher can preach to you the truth. He can give you wise counsel. He can share with you the word of God. He can teach it to you, the principles of it. He can tell you what you need to do to be saved, what you need to do to be blessed by God. But there's one thing that the poor preacher can't do, and that is he cannot, no matter how much he wants to, give you a desire to live for God. He cannot give you a desire, amen, for revival. He cannot give you a desire to do what's right. You've got to get somewhere in an altar and pray that through yourself. And not just pray it through, but pray it into you until it gets a be a part of your heart. It gets in the fibers of your being. It gets in every cell of your body that I want to live for God. I'm not doing this for daddy. I'm not doing this for mama. I'm not doing this because my grandpa's in the church. I'm not doing this because I got family members here. I'm not doing this because that's what's expected of me. I'm not just doing that because you know you got to go to church. I'm doing it because I love God. I love his church. I love his work. I love of his word. I'm passionate about the things of God. You know why there's so many people that are backsliding in the last days, walking away from God? It's because they never got this. I said they never got what I'm talking about. And I'm going to say something that's very direct here this morning. But that is the issue That is the issue, the single issue that I fight the most because people are connected for fellowship purposes, social reasons, family reasons. But when it comes... They're flatlined when it comes to any desire that comes from the heart. It's just mute. Any passion and any drive and any desire. I'm going to get where you live in here this morning. Amen. Anything that comes from within, it's just not there. There's a hollow look. I can look in your eyes. And discern that it's, it's just not there. The desire and the passion for God. Come on. If you're going to make it, you're going to have to get back to that place where you said, My God, I need you more than I need anything. You know, when you got the Holy Ghost, you put it all right here. You put it all right there on that altar. You said, There's nothing in this world. 
that's going to keep me from living for God. And I'm going to promise you, if you're going to stay living for God, you're going to have to keep putting it on that altar. You're going to have to keep put, taking up that cross every day, every day. It didn't say just take it up once. You said, well, I took it up 25 years ago when I got the Holy Ghost. Well, the problem is you hadn't taken it up today. It's wanged. said, I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't, want to, I don't want to be just one of the number. But I want to be used to do something for God. I got a desire in my heart to be a part of this. And so it was in the midst of searching around that he, he asked maybe one of his contemporaries, do you have an extra axe? I, I'm not a woodsman. I'm not a carpenter. I I don't have much skill. I don't have much talent. I can't sing like so-and-so. I can't play like so-and-so. I can't lead like so-and-so. I don't have those qualities. I don't have those abilities. I, 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 but I do want to be used of God. Do you have one that I can borrow? And you know when you borrow something, you don't usually give people your best. And they gave him one of their axes that no doubt was not as sharp as the one that they planned to use. Maybe it was not, we know it wasn't as fit. And, and maybe it was really used up and that was the reason for what happened. But the scripture says that the unexpected happened. Yeah. Something that he didn't plan for took Something caught him off guard. It wasn't something deliberate. It wasn't something that he had thought of and, and he had planned. It was unexpected. He's endeavoring. He's doing his work. He's doing his best for God. He's, he's working and doing all he knows to do. He's putting everything into it. And you know, a skilled person at any job, they know shortcuts. They know better ways to do things. They know how you can do it using less energy and less strength because they've been doing it for so long. But this man, he doesn't know any of that. He, he's got sweat running off of him. He, he's, he's giving it everything. He's swinging it with all of his might. And he lands it to the side of the tree one time. And suddenly he sees as that axe head goes cartwheeling through the forest. And then, to his dismay, falls into the stream or the river that was there. It's been lost. The tool that he needed the most has been lost. You know, there's some things that you can do without. There's some things you may be able to get by without. You know, early Pentecost, it got by without a lot of things that we we have today that are modern conveniences that are a blessing to us and that are good for us and I don't want to go back I don't want to go back to Brush Harbor amen I may I may would want to go for a night or something to see what it's all about but I don't want to have church in a Brush Harbor all the time amen some of you sound like you want to go back amen I don't want to fight mosquitoes can I get an amen somebody I 
I like air conditioning. I don't feel much of it this morning, but I like it. Praise the Lord. I, I really do. About July in Texarkana, I really do like. You know, I, it's been said that the man that might be able to survive hell is the man that invented air conditioning. And I said, well, he better do his best work when he gets there. I like padded pews. I don't want them old slatted pews. I remember going to church camp when I was a young person back there when Abraham was assassinated. But anyway, uh, sitting on those slatted pews and getting a new pair of slacks for camp and and the nails on those pews catching hold of them and snagging them and messing them up. I don't go back to that. Amen. I appreciate these padded pews. I appreciate that we don't have lanterns hanging up in here. I appreciate the fact that we, and I really appreciate this, and you've got to be a preacher to appreciate it. I know a lot of people that, that are not preachers don't appreciate it, but I appreciate a sound system, PA system. And I believe we ought to use it if we got it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so I, I enjoy those things. I'm not a... I'm not wanting to go back, but there was something in those brush harbors. There was something in those churches across the track. There was something in those little ramshackled buildings that we better never lose. Though we've moved across the tracks and though we're sitting in air conditioning this morning and though we're in this place sitting on padded pews and we've got carpet on the floor. Amen. Well, there's something we better never lose. And that is that heavy Holy Ghost anointing that was felt and the power of God and the miraculous taking place and the conviction that gripped the hold of sinners' hearts and, and pulled them to an altar, pulled them out. It was such a magnetism that they couldn't just sit there in the pew. It pulled them out of their pew and they would run I'm talking about physically run to an altar to repent feeling like their time was short I know we're too sophisticated for that I know some of you kind of look down your nose at that some of you don't understand that it's because you've never felt what I'm talking about if you ever feel what I'm talking about, you won't argue with it no more. It, it won't be a debate in your mind anymore. And what you need to do is let go of all your little philosophy and say, my God, I just want to feel you. If you're there, I want you to move on me. I want you to grip my heart. I want you to stir my soul. I want you to shake me up because I want to be saved. tool that's needed most at Pentecost. Amen, don't get mad at me. tool that's needed most at Pentecost not educated clergy. Hello? It's not it's not GQ dress saints. Hello? I knew you wasn't going to ride with me. It isn't necessarily rogue choirs. And it isn't necessarily fine musicians. And I think everything we do, and, and if you know me, you know better than to think that I don't want to do things with excellence. I don't think we ought to be slipshod and sloppy and all of that. But I'm going to tell you something. If we got all of those things, and we don't have the power of God working in our midst... 
If we've got all of those things and we don't have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, come on, what's the matter with some of you folks this morning? Do you even know what I'm talking about here today? Amen. Do you understand what I'm talking about here this morning? I'm talking about something that brought you into this thing. I'm talking about something that got your family out of sin. I'm talking about something that changed your life. I'm talking about something that, that totally revolutionized and gave you hope. I don't like spiritual pride. There's no pride that's any worse than spiritual pride. There's no pride that God hates any more than spiritual pride. God help us to realize we're, we was at the lowest of lows, but God reached down. I, I'll never forget. I know where I come from. Hey Amen. I'm in a class, and we're doing a little ancestral study that goes back. I didn't have to go back very far to find out that I'm pretty blessed. Amen. First of all, I was adopted, could have been placed in any home, any family, anywhere, but God placed me in this marvelous truth. Not really initially, but but there was the seeds that were there, and, and my parents eventually got into the church, and as a, just a little boy, began to take me to church. I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven years age, seven years of age, baptized when I was seven years of age. Amen. And I, I don't have to go back far up the family tree to figure out one thing, that my life could be totally different if it wasn't for the grace of God. And I would just venture to believe that it's probably the same way with the most of you. Most of us are not aristocrats in here this morning. Amen. I haven't met any Kennedys in here or Fitzgeralds or, or any of those things. Amen. Everybody in us are, uh, in here is just common folks. Uh, amen. We may walk around like we got our nose in the air half the time, but I'm just telling you, most of us in this house are common folks uh, that God has saved by the grace of God. You need to get rid of your filthy pride and realize uh, that if it wasn't for the grace of God, uh, if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, uh, I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't even have a chance. Uh, amen. That's why I'm not too good to worship. I'm not too good to praise God. I'm not too good to dance. I'm not too good to shout. I'm not too good to lift my hands and my voice to the Lord. And we realize Pentecost, there's some things we can't do without. And that's the anointing. We've got to have the anointing. You've got to have the accent. I know when I came out of the prayer room this morning, people seen me get this out of the storage building. But man, it's going to be rough this morning. I said, maybe I ought to just go on home, Pastor. One of them told me, if you're going to start chopping this morning, I'm going to the house. I really wanted a smaller one. It was less imposing, less intimidating. But this one, if it's any consolation to you, does have a guard on the edge here. I didn't really need a splitting maul, but this is what this will work. But if this axe head was to come off, I couldn't cut down many trees with just this old wax handle. I could maybe bruise them. 
I could cause some damage, but I'm not going to cut down many trees. And then the terrible thing is, is I'm going to I'm going to waste a lot of energy trying it. I'm going to consume a lot of units of precious energy endeavoring to do it. And when we try to have church without the anointing of the Holy Ghost, it's like taking that axe handle against a tree and beating the bark until it falls off. But you're not cutting much tree. Amen. You, you may be at spending energy, and you, you may feel better about yourself, and you may get into a pretty good frenzy. You may have a lot of sweat, amen, and get frothed up, but you don't cut much trees down without an edge. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you, worship without any prayer behind it is like beating a, beating a tree until the bark falls off with, with an axe handle. Until you learn how to pray, your worship doesn't have much depth to it. All you're doing is dancing, shouting, and doing the huckabuck only to live like you want to on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Hallelujah. I want something to change my life. I want something to get down in the fibers of my spirit. I want something to do something to me that changes me. Come on, I'm preaching to you this morning from my heart. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to get up in anybody's business necessarily, but I'm just doing my job as an apostolic preacher trying to follow the Holy Ghost. And there's some lessons that I've learned from that lost axe head that I don't want to happen to this church. There's some things that's got to take place here this morning in our lives. And if we don't allow them to, if we don't allow the Holy Ghost to work like it needs to work, Amen. We won't be the people that God wants us to be. There's some things there's absolutely no substitutes for. Without an axe head, everything comes to a grinding halt. It matters not how much zeal you have how big your dreams are, or how big the need is. Let me tell you, strength does not substitute for skill when it comes to cutting down trees. Amen. You can be strong and able-bodied. Come on, let me just break it down. You can have a good mind. You can have things together. You can look the part. But if you don't have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, it's detectable. I said, it's detectable. And there's nothing that makes that anointing recoil any quicker than just old-fashioned pride. I'm preaching here this morning as much to myself because I want to I be a base so that he can lift us up to the places that he wants us to go in the Spirit. Amen. I don't want to forget that it's a humble and a contrite spirit that he doesn't turn away. But pride, the Bible said he re- rejecteth the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen. And I need a lot of his grace. I need a lot of his grace. There's circumstances in my life that I need his grace to be able to bear it. And you need his grace to be able to bear it. And he'll give you the grace and he'll give you the wherewithal if you have humility that comes before him and says, God, I I'm just like Solomon was. Amen. I'm just a child that don't know how to go in or go out without your presence, without your your touch of anointing upon my life. Everything I attempt to do is futile. I need your touch. I need the help of the Holy Ghost. 
I come in here and beg God, God, I'm not smart enough to know how to pastor this church. I don't have enough words to get up and preach to this congregation. Amen. Just to soothe them over. But I need your message. I need your word to be able to speak to the needs of this church. I need you to talk to me. I need you to speak to my heart. I need you to lay upon my heart the message that is for the hour, that is for the moment, that is right at this time. Coming to teach and preach in this church things that are needed that's going to help us. Amen. There's no substitute without an axe head. All progress stops. The kingdom of God is just like that. Without prayer, consecration, without true, I'm not talking about synthetic, but I'm talking about true anointing, godliness, and wholesome living. Humility, worship. Talk about worship that comes from your heart. Sometimes you may come down this front and maybe tears coursing down your face. You surrender all to God. Sometimes it may be out in the aisle dancing and shouting and rejoicing, even in faith, not because of a good feeling, because honestly you may not have the feeling to do it. You're doing it in faith. And then faithfulness. It's impossible for people to show up at church randomly and expect to stay sharp. Stay on top of their game. Stay where they need to be with God. Effective for God. You're trying to chop down a tree. You're trying to remove obstacles in your life with no edge cannot be substituted. The struggle is too much for those that have no edge. You're dull. Your efforts, though they may be many, much, they're useless with no edge. You can't seem to get ahead. You're always in a struggle. You're always in a fight. You can't see why there's no blessing. You can't, you can't understand why you can't break out of I know it's simple, but it's it's the truth. And it's been quoted many times. To keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result is insanity. That's a definition of insanity. You gotta change. You can't just talk about it. You gotta do it. When the blessing isn't there, you gotta get to the place that I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. To get the blessings of God back in my life. But I want to preach to you this morning. He didn't lose it on purpose. Musicians come. He didn't lose it on purpose. This was not something he intended, this was not something he wanted. This is not the way. That he desired it to be. This is not where he planned on ending up. Because you can hear the anguish in his voice when he says, Master! 
Alas, it was Pyro. I've heard that anguish. Pastor, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I ever got here. I promise you, this is not the way I planned to end up. I didn't want to be this person. I don't want to, I didn't want to get to this place. I didn't want to drift this far. This is not the part I planned. Most people don't consciously decide to backslide. They don't set a date on the calendar and say, that's my last service, my last time. That's not how it happens. Most time. Majority of the time. People don't intend on growing cold in God. They don't intend on losing their burden, losing their prayer life, ultimately losing their relationship with God. Convictions are not lost. And one day, they're lost one day at a time. Just a little bit of encroachment by the devil. And a little more, a little more. Give up a little ground here and a little bit there. And compromise a little bit over here. Before you know it, it's slipped away. Or maybe it's the burdens of life that have ground on you. The daily struggles, the setbacks. Perhaps it's even a health crisis. I'm just being completely open. I've honestly seen people because of one situation or another due to to health crisis. kept them from coming to the house of God, kept them from praying like they used to pray or being involved like they used to be involved. And the devil used that to drive a wedge between them and their God and keep them away, keep them separated. I don't know what it is, but sometimes Satan convinces people that they don't have to be intentional as they once were about their life. But I'm going to tell you in the last days you can't leave anything for chance. You can't leave anything open-ended. It can't be a deal that if it works out I think I'll go to church this Sunday. I've heard this a million times. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll be there. No, you got to get more intentional than that. This is the last days. You got to make up your mind. If I'm gonna be saved, it's gonna be because I made up my mind to be saved, and that's something nobody else can do for me—not even God. The preacher can't make my mind up for me. My parents can't make up my mind for me. No other saying in the church, as influential as they may be, can make up their mind for me. i got to make up my mind, myself, to live for God. 
get my edge back. I got to start all over and do whatever it takes. Alas, Master, it was Bob. The man of God, through the help of the Lord, spoke to him. I want you to hear me this morning. He asked him one question you need to ask yourself. He said, where fell it? In other words, where did you lose it? Take me to that place. In essence, he was saying, wherever you lost it, that's where you're going to find it. I know that seems simplistic. I don't mean just to be so elementary here this morning, but I'm, I'm telling you, wherever you lost it, that's where you're going to find it. You're not going to go and find it somewhere else. Some people say, well, I've made such a mess out of things here, I better just go somewhere else to go to church. I better do that. No, 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 no. What you're going to do is you're going to take all your problems and all your baggage over there and create them a bunch of problems. What you need to do is make up your mind that I am going to deal with me. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to make some changes in me. I'm going to make some adjustments in me. I'm going to go back to the place where I lost it. Amen. And I'm going to find it there. He took a stick and he cast it into the water. And the Bible said the miraculous happened. That iron defied all of the laws of gravity and science and floated to the surface. And then he gave him one more little piece of instruction. He said, I'm not going to get it for you. I can't get it for you. That's not my job to get it for you. He said, reach and take it to yourself. you got to reach out and get it. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen. I can lead you to the place where you lost it. But I can't reach out and get it for you here this morning. It's going to take you praying. It's going to take you seeking God. It's going to take you calling on Him. It's going to take you saying, God, I desire it. Just like you did the first time when you came to God. When you came to an old Pentecostal altar and said, God, I'm a sinner. I repent. I give you everything. I surrender all. That's when his blessing came. That's when the Holy Ghost took over. And that's where it'll happen again is at the same place, the altar. Hallelujah. Come on, am I preaching to somebody that's feeling the struggle of trying to get by without an edge? You're not as sharp as you used to be. Spiritually, you're not where you you know you need to be. You used to have a prayer life, but it's fell through the cracks. Time and burdens and struggles of life and challenges of schedule have just about beat you out of a prayer life. 
Hallelujah. Go back to that place. I beg you this morning, go back to that place. Find that lost edge. You can get the edge back. Amen. You can get the edge back. Praise the Lord. You can get it back here today. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. God, I need your anointing. I want to pray until I pray through. And then I want to pray it into me, God. Oh, yes, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to live unfulfilled in this life. I know things could be so much better if I just give my life to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Holy Ghost, have your way. Holy Ghost, have your way today. Oh, talk to our hearts. Speak to us here this morning. Speak to us, God. Minister to needs in this congregation. Speak to hearts here. You're able to speak in a way that we'll listen, that we'll hear, that we'll be able to know that it's you. God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need your touch. I need the help. God, I'm going to plug you into this equation. It hasn't worked any other way. Oh, God, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is reaching. The Lord is talking to people today. The word of the Lord says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. Those are hard words, hard sayings. But that's where the blessings at. It's at the position of surrender. That's where completeness is. It's at the place that I totally yield. Say, God, I'm giving you control. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I thank you. I worship you. I praise you. Truly, I honor you. Your Lord.